In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of Christ. On this day, the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church. Now, in one sense, we could say that God's church began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and that all believers in the Old Testament were Christians. This is true. But on the other hand, the church that the Holy Spirit gathers around the word of the crucified and resurrected Christ and his holy sacraments was brought into being on this day, the day of Pentecost. This morning, we will consider three questions. Who belongs to God's church? What are the marks of the church? And what treasures does she possess? Membership in a human organization, such as St. Paul Lutheran Church, incorporated with the state of Connecticut in 1961, should never be confused with membership in the one church of God. Last week, I conducted a sad funeral for a man who had not attended church since his confirmation day 55 years ago. While living, he refused the Lord's Supper when I offered it, and he was unable to confess the basic articles of the Christian faith. And yet, he was a member of First Lutheran Church from birth until death. So who then belongs to the true church? We might answer, anyone who is baptized. Certainly, there is no better beginning. Baptism is the means by which we are granted entrance into the church, yet there are many who, after baptism, jump overboard, so to speak, from the ark of the church, abandoning the faith and the ship of their salvation. Perhaps we could expand our answer. Those who are baptized and then continue to live as Christians. But there are just as many who observe all the outward customs of the church, living lives that appear outwardly to conform with the Ten Commandments, and yet have no faith in Christ. So who then is a member of the true church? Let's hear what Jesus, the Lord of the church, has to say. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus equates membership in his church with loving him and keeping his word. How different this is from membership in secular organizations. AAA, for example, doesn't care if you love them. All they care about is if you pay your yearly dues. But not so within the church. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my word. The Christian church is like a field of wheat. Within the field, weeds and wheat grow up side by side, and there are some kinds of weeds that appear so close to wheat, it's nearly impossible to tell them apart. But on the day of harvest, the weeds are separated from the wheat and thrown into the fire. So it is within the church. Many grow up within this holy field, watered, in some sense, by the heavenly dew of the gospel, recipients of the rays of eternal truth, and yet without love for Christ and his word. Not only do the pagans, the unbelieving Jews, and the Muslims not belong to the church of God, but also those within the church 
who do not love and treasure the words of Jesus. If you examine your heart on this festival day to see whether or not you love Christ and keep his word and are troubled by what you find, then you are paradoxically in good company. 3,000 people heard the preaching of Peter on the first Pentecost day. Were they uplifted? No, I don't think that would be the word to describe them. The Bible says they were cut to the heart and they cried out saying, what shall we do to be saved? The answer will not be found within the depths of the human heart. All we will find there is our lack of love for Christ and his word. The answer to how we will be saved is found only in the gift of God, whom he pours out on his church on this day of Pentecost. Come, Holy Ghost, God and Lord, with all your graces now outpoured on each believer's mind and heart, your fervent love to them impart. Love for Christ is not something we muster up in our own hearts. It is the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, which he accomplishes among us by the hearing of faith. It's no accident that the birthday of the church coincides with the coming of the Holy Spirit. He alone calls, gathers, and enlightens his church. And this brings us to the second question. What are the marks of the true church? How can she be recognized? Since the church's membership is known only to God who searches the heart, and since her true form and beauty is hidden this side of heaven, how can we recognize the true church while on earth? There are some people that say you can't. You can never know if one denomination is better or truer than another. But they're wrong. You can The true church is not entirely invisible. Like the wind, you can't see the true church or the Holy Spirit directly, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you can see the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. And thus, wherever he is at work, there is the true church. And how does the Holy Spirit work? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. This is the mark of the church. What does Jesus say will never be taken away from his own and will never fail them? What does he say is inseparable from his church and at the same time the sign by which the church can be known? His word. His gospel. Dear saints, there can be no other answer. There are many good things that we would hope to find in our congregations, but these are not actually the marks of the true church. More members, a balanced budget, lack of infighting, a long and proud history within the community, etc. But by this alone, the church is known that the pure word of God is preached and heard. Where this is happening, no matter how things may appear, the Holy Spirit is at work, and he is as powerful and effective today through the preaching of Christ as he was on the day of Pentecost. 
By this same word he calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, and keeps the holy Christian church with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Finally, what treasure does the true church possess? There are many, but the one that Jesus mentions in our text today is this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace, admittedly, is not what tops the list of blessings that we would usually consider great. Jesus says nothing here of honor before men, of earthly riches, of a pleasurable life, or even exemption from suffering or sickness and death. In fact, he expressly says, not as the world gives do I give to you. And yet there is no greater blessing than the peace of Christ. When Jesus gives you peace, it means that God has forever forgiven all your sins and he has become your ally against death and the devil. Your conscience can be completely at rest because you now have nothing to fear but everything to hope for in this life and in eternity. True peace can only be found within the Christian church, which the Holy Spirit sustains by the word of Jesus. Within this church, though we are despised in the eyes of the world, in God's eyes, we are his most precious treasure. We may consider ourselves the greatest sinners, and often with good cause, yet we are the only ones who are clothed in a righteousness that avails before God. We pass for the greatest fools, and yet, enlightened by the Holy Spirit of truth, we alone are truly wise. The world considers the members of the church the scum of humanity and would gladly be rid of us. And yet, it is only for our sakes that the world is allowed to continue. We seem to be the poorest. And yet we are the only ones who have lasting treasure, who alone possess the true remedy for the misery of this world, and to whom alone the keys of heaven have been given. And so from the day of Pentecost until the final day when our Lord returns, the Holy Spirit will continue his work in the hearts and minds of the faithful, kindling love for Christ and giving us the desire to hear, learn, and inwardly digest the word of salvation. Let us pray. Come, Holy Ghost, God and Lord, with all your grace is now outpoured on each believer's heart and mind. Your fervent love to them impart. From every error keep us free. Let none but Christ our master be that we in living faith abide in him, our Lord, with all our might confide. In the name of Jesus, amen.